This is the Mind Body Work podcast dedicated to discussions about the well-being and health of working professionals. My first guest speaker today is Dr. Julia Lyons, who leads the psychology team at OneBrain. She has a particular interest in working with individuals with complex trauma and has worked for community mental health teams and private healthcare providers offering therapy, supervision, training, consultancy and service development. Julia has a keen research interest and has published several papers, including the topic of seasonal affective disorder. My second guest speaker today is Kaylee Frost, who is the Head of Clinical Services at Health Assured, which is a leading mental health and wellbeing provider. Kaylee has responsibility for the management and development of the occupational health teams and manages Health Assured's trauma and wellbeing provisions too. Kaylee is a qualified mental health first aider, a thought leader on workplace mental health, and a regular guest speaker at industry-leading webinars and events. Good morning, Julia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Um, So good of you to join me today to talk about uh, seasonal affective disorder. So today's episode is called Winter Blues, Managing Seasonal Affective Disorder at Work. As some listeners may or may not know, December is Seasonal Affective Disorder Awareness Month. You might recognise this condition as seasonal depression or winter blues. So we're going to start off the podcast discussing SAD on a more personal level with Julia this morning. So for those who are unfamiliar with SAD, um, I would like to start off by getting right down to the basics. With that in mind, Julia, can you provide a brief overview of seasonal affective disorder, including some common signs and symptoms and discuss its impact on individuals? Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. So seasonal affective disorder is also, we also known as SAD. It's a type of depression. Um, and as you probably know already, depression can affect your life in many ways. So it affects the way you think, it affects the way you feel or lack of feeling, and it also affects your functioning as well. So seasonal affective disorder often occurs in late autumn, early winter, and it's thought to be linked to the lack of natural light. So it's a really timely topic as we head towards the winter solstice on December the 21st, um, where we have the shortest day in terms of daylight hours in the Northern Hemisphere. The common symptoms you'd experience with seasonal affective disorder would be things like low mood, a sort of a lethargy or fatigue, um, overeating and craving carbohydrates in particular, feeling less alert or sort of foggy. Another common symptom is oversleeping or in general just having a disordered sleep pattern. And then probably something people notice as well is sort of wanting to isolate or um, not wanting to be social. So Mm -hmm. it sort of sounds in general that pattern of symptoms is a bit like a dysfunctional form of, of hibernation really. And what causes SAD um, or seasonal affective disorder it's not well understood but we believe that it's the lack of sunlight which affects certain Mm -hmm. neurotransmitters in the brain in particular um, serotonin and melatonin and these um, neurotransmitters control our mood our appetite and our sleep Um, so other contributing causes are thought to be things like the lack of vitamin d again due to the lack of daylight reduced movement that occurs obviously during winter months typically um and that lack of light disrupting our circadian rhythm which is our sort of natural 24-hour body clock and that that body clock isn't just involved in sort of regulating when we sleep and when we when we're awake it also plays a really important part in when you get hungry during the day when you're more alert your digestive system our immune system the release of our hormones they're all regulated by that body clock so you can see it it makes sense sort of that disrupting this body clock with that with that 
change in light pattern affects the whole body and, and sort of the way that we function. And a sort of a typical question here that, that gets asked really is what you might ask, what's the difference between sort of normal winter blues and, and seasonal affective disorder? And I suppose a bit like depression or other common conditions like anxiety, most of us probably have times during the winter where we feel a bit tired, where we just feel like we want to hibernate and eat comforting foods. I know I do. But when that sort of persists or it becomes so severe that it's sort of affecting affecting your functioning so your home life your friendships your work that's when we need to take action and it also could probably indicate um it's seasonal affective disorder and i suppose for people that do experience this it might be comforting to know that you're not alone um sort of the prevalence of people who experience sad is is thought to be up to 10 percent of the population um mm. depending on where you live in in the world so it is a very common condition Okay, yeah, thank you. I didn't realise it was that common. And I was actually quite surprised to find out that overeating um, is a common symptom associated with seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. That's certainly something I didn't realise before either. But it, it makes sense when it's when it's cold and you're feeling down, if you're craving, if you're craving comfort, um, then overeating certainly might, might well um, be something that you do during that time so thank you that's very enlightening um and of course it's important to to bring up that sad can have an impact on on those around us as well um isn't always as straightforward as a solo struggle um so julia how might seasonal affective disorder affect personal relationships and what advice do you have for individuals and the loved ones in navigating these challenges um, so I suppose thinking about this, really, there's, a, I suppose, three main ways in which it can affect our sort of personal relationships. So as I, I briefly mentioned, um, seasonal affective disorder can make us sort of withdraw from others. So not want us to socialise or connect with the people that we care about around us. And so this naturally reduces the amount of contact that we have and, and the quality of our relationship. And then I suppose, secondly, uh, due to our mood being low and those feelings of fatigue, then it's it's probably a logical logical um, consequence of that that we might not feel like going out with friends or playing with our children or, or wanting to go to work and and this could naturally lead to conflict um, with others around us who potentially might misinterpret our actions um, thinking that, that we've got a problem with them or that we're being lazy for example and then you can see how that these conflicts would then further affect our mood and how you could see how like a vicious cycle could be set up here um, th through that and then I suppose lastly thinking about in terms of romantic relationships one symptom of, of seasonal affective disorder that I haven't mentioned so far is that it can lead to a sort of reduced sex drive which can obviously have caused difficulties in people's relationships if that cause of like the lack of intimacy isn't understood so my advice here really is that the first step is just recognizing the signs and symptoms that you're experiencing so the first sign is always really awareness um people tend to blame themselves um but actually self-criticism here is, is most likely going to make the problem worse mm. so instead by educating yourself firstly on what seasonal affective disorder looks like uh, what the symptoms are looking at some of the evidence-based techniques that have been shown to help um and then sharing this knowledge with the people close to you uh, you know um, I think this is really important so that they can gain some understanding of, of what might be going on. And then I suppose the last element here is then communicating often about what you're thinking or feeling. You probably can't over communicate in, in the, these circumstances. Amazing. So loads of great advice there, loads of good things that you can do. And it's it's comforting to know that if you are feeling this way um, and if it is having an impact on 
on your relationships or romantic relationship there is a reason for it and you can do things to to get help and and make a difference so thank you for that Julia so my next question for you is is what advice do you have for individuals with seasonal affective disorder when it comes to setting healthy boundaries in both personal and professional spheres so I think this is a really complex question because obviously we do need healthy boundaries. Um, as we know, he- having healthy boundaries promotes good mental health. It prevents burnout. However, there isn't sort of one set of boundaries that that a person should follow. Um, as we know, boundaries differ from, from person to person. What one person deems acceptable in, in a situation, another person might think absolutely not. Um, and it also differs depending on context. So for example, we have different boundaries at work, they're different to the boundaries that we have with our friends or or even the boundaries that we have with our family. Rather than thinking about what those boundaries should be, it's probably thinking about how do how do we set them uh, and um, what how can we maintain them. So I think as a starting point to set healthy boundaries, it first requires you to think about that context and what you deem maybe appropriate or not appropriate in that situation. So for example, for an individual maybe struggling with seasonal affective disorder, this might be working out a boundary that, for example, finishing work on time is really important to maintaining their mental health through the winter or um, a boundary at home might be you know, not being responsible for 100% of the housework all of the time. So sort of understanding what that boundary is and then using communication skills to convey those boundaries because it's not really fair to those the other people around us um you know if they if they overstep a boundary if they weren't aware it was there in the first place so using really clear communication skills to make people aware of that and then i suppose lastly um you know it's it's natural uh, it's natural human behavior to kind of push boundaries sometimes um in certain situations so then using sort of assertiveness skills so really be um being clear to sort of explain uh, what that boundary is and why it's important that it's maintained to keep to keep that boundary maintained when when there is an overstep lovely thank you so much and um just to just to finish off um today um it's already got quite cold in the last couple of weeks but that doesn't mean there isn't time to take supportive steps towards your well-being this winter um it is an ongoing process and there are things that you can do so just finish off julia can you provide some information on how uh, individuals can proactively plan for the winter months to mitigate the impact of seasonal affective disorder on their daily lives and relationships yeah so I really like this question so if we know that we're going to be feeling sort of fatigued or low lacking in energy then it's probably the hardest time at that time when we're experiencing the symptoms you know to make a plan and to manage symptoms so it just yeah it really does doesn't it It makes sense if we know that we're kind of prone to this sort of behavior and it it does tend to if you experience um, seasonal affective disorder it does tend to sort of running fat running families and if you are if you have experienced it before you are more likely to experience again so it -hmm. makes sense if we can to prepare in advance when we're feeling in a good place and when we're feeling motivated um, and we can think you know more strategically and constructively however you know it's never too late to start even though it might be sort of coming into winter now and you know if we if we were able to do it in that sort of late summer going forward then then it should be easiest then but it if you're listening to this podcast and thinking some of this applies to me right now then there is there is always things that we can do so as I've mentioned um, light plays a huge role in seasonal affective disorder so thinking about opportunities to maximize natural light through the day um, is, a, is a really good thing to think about so the the earlier the better really during the day so if you can, can get out in the morning that's great and um, even just little things like you know 
parking your car slightly further away from work so you can get a sort of 10 minute walk in or mm. um something what, what generally say is lots of sort of five 10 minute periods in in natural light is often much easier to fit in than sort of a what might be expected like a 30 or 60 minute typical walk at lunchtime that's quite easy to get skipped if you if you're feeling busy or if you've got other things going on but lots of sort of five ten minutes is is sort of easier to to fit in so you know leaving something in your car that you've got to go back to mid-morning or you know if you need to nip out to you know get a a drink for example um, and you, you can go out of the office to do that or if you're working from home or doing something from home sort of planning in things that you might need to do during the day like taking your bins out for example but making sure you do that early in the morning or mid-morning and just scheduling these things as part of your day to try and make them you know tied to not something non-negotiable um is, is probably um a good way of getting that natural light in other other things that you can do is you know something quite simple is just try and keep the lights on you know during the day as much light on as possible um alternatively uh, the evidence shows um for, for seasonal affective disorders is um is around using light boxes so these light boxes are available very cheaply on well-known online retailers and and they work by imitating natural light and help to regulate that that body clock and circadian rhythm um so you need to look for a light box which offers 10,000 lux which refers to the sort of the strength of the light um, and you can put these on on your desk in the morning you can have them on for a couple of hours they're very non-intrusive and and people can worry about sometimes thinking what will other people think you know if, if they see that will they know that I'm experiencing sad um, but I'd say this doesn't necessarily need to be the case you know I, I used to work in in Cambridge and scientists who understood the effect of light on the body they used to use light boxes in the winter to sort of help with their productivity in the morning help them feel more alert so if you are sort of worried about the how other people perceive it you know you can just say you're using something there to help you improve feelings of alertness and 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 help with your sleep patterns um, and just a point to mention on these is just use them up until lunchtime but not later in the day and in, in the sort of afternoon and evenings as this can disrupt that natural light pattern that our body expects um, and then I suppose some other things uh, about creating a proactive plan is sort of increase increasing our movement so in the winter we tend to move less which helps mm -hmm. us to feel more sluggish and you probably know this if you've had a, a long journey or you spent a day on the couch you often feel really tired at the end of it yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah it is isn't it it kind of it works it, the opposite to what you expect it so does. to really get does. yeah <laughs> so getting oxygen into those muscles by moving actually increases our energy levels and has a beneficial beneficial effect on mood and you you know you asked about relationships and as we've spoken about seasonal affective disorder often makes us more likely to sort of isolate and withdraw from others so it's important to kind of counteract this by building in a routine of sort of socializing or connecting with others so sort of trying to stay in touch making plans that are hard to cancel um sort of regular <laughs> things that you've built in through the week can be helpful um and and again maybe making those plans during the dark hours where it, it can be um you know it can be harder during those times if, if the, it feels like there's very little time during the day um and then you know often you know using the winter positively so the winter can be a great time to sort of start a project or a hobby or you know mm -hmm. a, something that makes sense to do at this time of year so something that maybe you've always wanted to do pottery for example or, or even a task that you've thought oh I'm going to put off painting the bathroom um potentially mm -hmm. when the nights are darker now might be a good time to sort of plan that in 
or I suppose alternatively finding a class or a group that helps to keep you accountable when you feel less motivated, you know, knowing, working with those symptoms. So for example, if you enjoy jogging during the summer and you find that hard during the winter months, then finding a running group in the winter or going to a Mm. local park run can make it um, harder to drop out or procrastinate over. Mm-hmm. And and I suppose the last thing to mention really is that if you're really struggling to put a plan into action yourself or or your plan isn't working, then I'd really recommend seeking out a type of therapy um, called cognitive behavioural therapy, which is also mm. known as CBT. And I suppose a bit like having a personal trainer for the gym, having a sort of CBT therapist can act a bit like a coach, um, sort of helping you to identify like alternative ways of solving your problems and and shifting your mindset towards one that works for you rather than against you. Wonderful. Thank you, Julia. I really love that suggestion that you gave there about parking your car a little bit further away from the office, which forces you to walk in and get that natural light from personal experience, waking up and always going for a a walk in the morning before work has just been done wonders for my mental health. Um, And it's it's great to get a little bit that morning exercise. And and if you are parking a little bit further out from town, it might even save you a few quid on on paying for parking throughout the day as well. So beneficial in (laughs) in many areas there. So some really great advice there, Julia. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. No, thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Follow us on Twitter at WorkWellPro or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you have any comments on the podcast or you'd like to suggest a topical speaker or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email editor at workplacewellbeing.pro. We look forward to hearing from you. Good morning, Kaylee. How are you today? Good morning, Joanne. I'm fantastic. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me this morning. You're very welcome. So um, we've already discussed what seasonal affective disorder is alongside the impact and some common symptoms and how to prepare for it on a personal level. So now with Kaylee, we're going to take it all into the workplace and discuss some ideas and strategies leaders can consider to best support employees who may be struggling this winter. So with that being said, I would like to ask you, Kaylee, Um, How can employees foster a workplace culture that acknowledges and supports employees dealing with seasonal affective disorder? Well, there's a whole list of things. So I'll try and keep it as succinct and um, digestible, I guess, as possible here, because the the list is almost endless. But the most important thing, and it's not necessarily just linked to seasonal affective disorder, is to any struggles with mental health and well-being, is making sure you're fostering and encouraging an open culture within the workplace you know so straight off the bat people know that it's something uh, it's a place where they can open up where they can talk about their feelings their struggles their challenges um because it might be impacting their day-to-day kind of productivity and general work life as well so straight off the bat an open company culture that's really important and that should be ingrained and woven into the ethos of the of the organization then there's lots of practical um tips and, and mechanisms and techniques and things like that that can be implemented into the day really basic things it's not reinventing the wheel by any means but we kind of used to do this when it was lockdown and everyone was working from home and everyone was becoming really sedentary but encouraging individuals to be active before and after work now what they do before and active after work is completely up to them of course we know that but really encouraging and driving um making sure that people are moving getting up and about and if they possibly can make the most of their time outside even with a snippet of daylight 
make sure that people are encouraged to where possible, consider, hoping they're not going to get drenched through if it's raining, which is probably pretty typical, but mm-hmm. going for walks on their lunch breaks. And something that I do, weather permitting, of course, now if it's cold, you can wrap up. I do a lot of walking meetings. So where my office is, we have this little patch of greenery outside and it does a little loop out round a little shop as well. And sometimes where it's possible to do that, um, I do things like mentoring sessions. Um, so I mentor other um, junior managers within the organization and junior um, employees as well. So I, I sometimes do walking meetings with that. You're being outside, you're in the fresh air because more often than not, the only bit of sunlight we see is for a very brief glimpse usually outside of the window during the day you travel in the in the dark um, you leave work in the dark um, and if you're working from home people end up starting a little bit later uh, a little bit earlier sorry and, and finishing a little bit later so it's very hard very easy sorry to to miss the daylight hours so if you can walking meetings mm-hmm. um something that we do at health assured uh, we absolutely encourage the use of things like um SAD lamps and lights because sometimes the lighting in offices isn't always um, suitable and you can't just change one light bulb above someone um, so we really encourage use of sad lamps I've used them as well sometimes if I feel like I'm getting a headache or I'm really feeling the impact of just being in darkness you know outside of the office um, the workspace itself, you know, is there enough natural light coming in? So using things like sad lamps, if someone is in an office or a room where you're not exposed to natural natural light through office windows, for example, or shop windows or whatever that might look like. <coughs> Excuse me, frog in my throat. Um, I mean, the, li- the list goes on. I think yeah. there's other things... I mean, annual leave, that's something that everyone forgets. Um, Really encourage the use of regular annual leave. Um, You should be aiming for, say, like a week every, at least every three months. But some people that really struggle with seasonal affective disorder might benefit from taking it a couple of weeks in the winter instead. They might be fine with banking up stuff in the summer um, period. And they might actually really benefit from their abroad holiday, their overseas holiday in the winter and go for a week, two weeks and soak up the sun that way. And that helps Mm. recharge them. Now, that's something that you know, if you're fortunate enough to go away overseas, that would be really beneficial if you're thinking that SAD, you know, is is impacting you. Um, there is a link between seasonal affective disorder and, and your overall physical health and immune system as well. Um, so really promote things where you can, like the healthy eating. I mean, I fall foul of it sometimes, bringing in cakes on a Friday for everyone, yeah, but a little will. treat doesn't hurt. It doesn't <laughs> hurt people, but really promoting a healthy lifestyle in general. Um, you might have things like cash plans or whatever in place, but encouraging people to use those alternative therapies and um, interventions that they might have access to. But if you do things like free flu shots and make sure people have those um I missed mine this year and then I got laryngitis and (laughs) I blame the fact that I missed my flu jab Um, so making sure that those things weave in there's no one solution kind of in the workplace and that is you know that will fix it for someone there's lots of things they need to be doing and taking responsibility for themselves but you can do those extra little bits and bobs and a lot of it is about 
encouraging, um, encouraging mm. individuals to kind of take ownership and take responsibility and take charge. But you can facilitate that by saying it's okay to go outside on your lunch. It's okay to book your annual leave in the winter. It's okay to, you know, be active before and after work just because you start at nine doesn't I don't expect you logged on at eight if that's going to be a difference for you getting some sunlight getting out and about walking do that and start when you're due to start um I think it's it's really important that it's um, it almost feels collaborative like teamwork there you're not you can't pull a solution for SAD you know out of thin air everything has to kind of weave in together if you don't already um you know have things like an eap you're not expected as an employer to have all of the answers and solutions and what might work for one person might work might not work for another so someone Mm -hmm. can just call their eap and go through their current situation you know maybe there's someone that's susceptible to depression anyway maybe they have a history of clinical depression or low mood and they're really starting to notice that the seasons are impacting them maybe they need a professional to talk through that with them so definitely signpost to your EAP if you have one um consider things like flexible working hours you know if it's really debilitating for someone they might want to start you know maybe they do a nine five but actually you change that to eleven seven. so they've got a couple of hours in the morning where they can get what they need the nourishment from being outside and you know being active and in the outdoors um or even if they're having a blast on their sad lamp at home and they need to start a little bit later maybe consider flexible yeah. working where it's necessary as you can tell I could waffle on <laughs> there's loads yeah. of things no no it's great you've got loads of good ideas and it goes to show that it doesn't have to be a difficult process either no. there are so many small little tweaks employers can do to really craft that open and supportive workplace culture that is so important these days yeah. I actually um, published a story recently on Workwell Pro um, about the power of free office drinks and you can just imagine it with the long cold commute wintery showers um into work and just showing up and having something simple as a free latte to give you can just make all the difference this winter so small ideas have these big positive outcomes um and something that uh, is talked much more openly these days as well is uh relating to stress our last podcast was all about stress so give that a listen if you're interested um but of course dealing with winter depression and stress at work is not ideal so with that in mind i just want to talk about that a little bit and wonder how employers can help manage workloads and expectations during the winter months to reduce stress and support employees with uh, sad Again, there's no one miracle solution for this and what works for one person might not be appropriate for another. And it's not necessarily just down to managing workloads because that comes from within, that can come from the individual themselves as well. But if you're encouraging and facilitating some of the healthier coping mechanisms I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. then that can allow the individual to start thinking more clearly and being able to put more structure in place and manage their workload effectively. Um, It's great that people are coming forward, you know, with diagnosis or suspected um, diagnosis of certain conditions. And it's becoming more and more common and commonplace um, in work, in the working environment. And it almost feels like more often than not, someone does have a challenge with their mental health as opposed to not. And that's great that people are opening up and talking about it. It's how you adapt as an employer, making sure that all the other 
you know, other mechanisms are there. You know, when working in the background, you've got that open culture. You are as flexible as you can be, you know, with business needs in mind. You are encouraging people to take their breaks, take their leave, get outside and so on. Now, if someone has disclosed a, a diagnosis and they are really struggling, I would consider, in fact, I would wholeheartedly encourage doing something like a wellness action plan. Now, we do these, you can do them intermittently as well. Um, So again, SAD, it's seasonal. So just because you do a wellness action plan in the start of the winter, that might not be necessary in the spring and summer months, but it could really help individuals. And you go, um, you can get a wellness action plan just from Mind, from their website. Again, I use them. Um, And it goes through things like certain triggers for individuals and, um, reminding them what their kind of safety mechanisms are this you know their um, coping techniques and and then you're sharing that you're working collaboratively about almost like it's, it's very similar to a stress risk assessment that like health and safety would do but you're having a very a very mutual and collaborative discussion with your employee then about what works for them what doesn't work for them maybe there's some compromise that we need but you're documenting that down so you're committing to it and that that individual feel valued and engaged um because you're working with them rather than you know I, you could just email them the flexible working policy and go oh, have a read at this and see what you think work collaboratively that's the thing people will then start to be able to process and reassess their structure and approach to things as well um so it's all case by case i would definitely start with something like a wellness action plan yeah they sound great and it's um really useful to know that you can just go onto the mind website and uh, get a get a template from that so that's that's really useful thank you so much um for that and um just as you touched upon earlier um in your in your in question one um how lack of natural light is strongly associated with uh sad so given given that uh, that connection there Are there any creative uh, ways you can suggest that employees can integrate nature into the work environment uh, to mitigate the effects of SAD? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, talking from experience here, my desk is nowhere near a window and I sacrifice that so all my counsellors can be close to windows and and in our offices. So I'm sat, which looks it looks like it's in a broom cupboard um, and sometimes sometimes feels like it. And I have the LED lights, you know, blasting above me. And, yeah. and so again, talking from experience. So I absolutely load my desk up with um uh, plants all different plants um that brings it's a you know really simple way of bringing nature in and if you actually look around our office obviously I feel like we're leading the way you know as, as a, a team of counsellors in the office it would be silly if we didn't kind of lead by example on these things but we have plants everywhere um nearly every other desk has a sad lamp on it and um, they are you know you can get them for about £10 sometimes, you know, on, on Amazon uh, and people take them, you know, bring their ones in from home as well. And they just plug into the USB of the laptop, you know, so the computer, that makes a really big difference. Um, but one of the biggest things, like I said, I sacrificed my seat um, because I'm such a good person like that. Um, <laughs> but making sure as many, especially the employees that are on the ground, you know, that are the 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 cogs in your machine, they need to be able to keep um, getting everything they need to nourish them and make sure that they can work productively and safely. Make sure that the 
the workspace is maximised and they're getting as much natural light as they possibly can. And if not, things like sad lamps, um, like I said, walking meetings, because then you can get out and about, uh, making sure they're getting the fresh air at lunch. I mean, there's some, you know, potential fitness pros out there that might want to do things like running clubs, walking clubs in lunch as well. I'm not keen on a running club myself not for me I don't want to go to my afternoon meetings blotchy and sweaty some people some people they love that um I quite often go out with a couple of my colleagues on our lunch and we, we go for a walk together we maybe grab a coffee and we walk and we just you know have a catch up and put the world to rights and then we almost feel recalibrated and refreshed when we go and sit back down at our desk for the afternoon and if you're home working that can be that that really should be a really vital part of your day and getting yourself out there. I know it's easier said than done because you get swept away with things like emails and calls and everything, but the d- discipline is really needed because that window of opportunity literally is lunchtime. Mm-hmm. You know, your typical uh, working day lunchtime to get outside. And we, we always encourage it um, where we can. Again, we're very fortunate. We've got a little bit of greenery. It's not always as nice for everyone, but still getting outside is really important. But yeah, hopefully after this, everyone should then be loaded up with desk plants and, and things yeah, like sad as well. 100%. So apologies and in advance. <laughs> only £10 for uh, and a sad lamp. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. a worthwhile investment. So why not? Get them for yeah. your employees, guys. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, great. So uh, loads of great advice there. I do have one final question for you, Kaylee, yeah. And it's to do with something we are seeing more and more these days, and that mm-hmm. is remote working. Yeah. So according to the Office of National statistics um 44 of uk workers currently work in some form of remote capacity so with this trend becoming more normalized than ever we can expect this figure to gradually rise mm-hmm. um so in light of that um how can employees leverage technology to create a virtual environment that supports employees with sad and maintains a sense and maintain a sense of connectedness so that again, a few things you can weave in some of the bits that, that we've already discussed. I would definitely, first of all, do things like your wellness action plans. Make sure you're having regular one-to-ones with video. Insist on the camera being on. It doesn't matter what's happening in the background. You know, if they've got the washing hung up, whatever, you know, no judgment, no judgment from the employer's side. You need to look into, it's almost like you need to see the whites of people's eyes sometimes. And, and as much as people might be like, oh, my hair's not great. Oh, I don't want to put my, my camera's not working. That old chestnut. That brings a huge sense of connectivity. You, hu- humans need human connection. And if you are working from home, Maybe that is the only way you can get it throughout the day is video calls. So definitely make sure your one-to-ones are with the camera on. Where you can organise online socials so that obviously they were all the rage in lockdown and everyone was doing pub quizzes every week and everything. Bring them back. Bring things like that back. Have a coffee morning online. Get the team all on a, on a video call and have a coffee morning. Um, from an even more techie-based thing, um, maybe set up a little bit of a steps leadership board, something like that. If you've got like Apple Watches or everyone's got a step counter on their phone these days, use that technology that we've got stuck to us, you know, on in terms of our phones and things to do step challenges. Um, you could even do leaderboards every day, you know, how many did you end up on? And that will encourage people, especially those that are quite competitive, to get out, get moving and be outside in 
in in nature as well um we we use our app and we've got an, a built-in leaderboard and you can send it out to everyone and it tracks every single day and we do like a little winner at the you know the end of week the week or the month so so little things like that you it's need you need to get creative again and maybe hark back to the the lockdown days and take elements of that because it did bring a sense of connection still and human interaction while still being digital um so definitely look back at what worked then things like yeah. i do think things like coffee mornings you don't have to encourage you know cocktail making classes in the evening i saw all sorts in lockdown we want to promote really healthy and nourishing lifestyles but get everyone together don't talk about work have 20 minutes where you're discussing you know the plans for the weekend or debriefing from the weekend after do your things like step challenges and um, and things like that and make sure cameras are on people need to see humans even if they're grumpy victor meldrew type people that reckon they don't like they don't like people that's a lie everyone needs some form of human connection and yeah. if they are isolated at home they they need those cameras on brilliant that's some absolutely fantastic advice there kaylee thank you so much uh, for joining us today you're very very welcome thank you thanks for having me bye bye the Mind Body Work Podcast is brought to you by WorkplaceWellbeing.pro, a website dedicated to the well-being and health of working professionals. Daily news items are posted, accompanied by in-depth analysis of topics including financial well-being, mental health and stress. You can sign up for our weekly newsletters to keep up to date with our content. Thank you for listening.